listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. So there's a big difference between knowing about something, being informed about something, and being motivated by that same thing. Let me give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. For instance, number one, I know how to eat healthy. I have that information. I know what to do. I know what should go in my body and which, what should not go into my body. I, I know there are things that I shouldn't eat at all given my uh, metabolism and my tendencies. And I know there are some things that I should eat more of. I know about times of day that I should eat. I know about all kinds of things in regards to uh, healthy eating patterns. But it's more than just knowing those things. It's doing those things. I'll give you another example. Money management. I know all the tricks to the trade of money management. I've been through all kinds of programs. I've been through all kinds of seminars and informational uh, classes. And yet, I still want to spend my money as soon as I get it. It, as some have said, burns a hole in my pocket. I'm imagining that probably you fall into that same category. In some area of your life, you know what to do. And, and, and it's not about not knowing, it's about not being motivated in that respect. In, in those two examples, you, you probably also know someone, and, and maybe it's not in, in healthy eating habits, maybe it's not in money management, things of that nature, but, but it's something else that you know about that you don't find yourself motivated by. In that same respect, you know people who who know the same things and yet are living their life for those things. Like they know healthy eating habits and exercise routines and what they should and should not put in their body and when they should and should not put it there. And they're motivated by that. I mean, they they know what to do and they do it and they're excited about it. That's what Paul is talking about when we turn the corner here in chapter number one in these introductory remarks that he's given in this letter to the believers in Ephesus. And, and I say they're introductory remarks because in, in Paul writing a letter, that's exactly what they are. He begins his letter with this time of spontaneous praise where he's praising God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, for all of these benefits and blessings that He has given us as followers of Jesus. And that was very common for Him to do. So these are introductory remarks, but they're packed with theological richness, with, 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 with information about who we are and who God is and what He has done. So while they're introductory for Paul, because of inspiration, they're, they're filled with great understanding for us. When we turn this corner at verse number 15 of chapter number one, he's coming out of the praise and now he's going to identify these uh, a, a, a time or, or, or a, a season, if you will, of, of prayer that he's offering for these believers in Ephesus. Very common. Eight of the 13 letters that Paul wrote, 
he identified this prayer that he would spend on behalf of those believers or those particular individuals to whom he was writing. He does that same thing here. But in this prayer, he's going to call us to move beyond what we know and step into a life motivated by those truths. Not just increase our knowledge of, of, of who God is and what He's provided, but to actually step into that with a, with a, with a new attitude, a new motivation, a, a, a new uh, a disposition toward every aspect of our life. That's what He's going to pray for them, and by extension, that's what He's going to pray for us. If you have your Bible, I'll invite you to turn with us to Ephesians chapter number 1. We're going to pick up our reading in verse number 15, where Paul says, For this reason, and you ask, well, for for what reason, Paul? Well, I think he's talking about all of the things that he has said about the believers in verses 3 through 14, where he talks about all that the believers have and have been given. But I think specifically that Paul is referring back to what he has just said to them in his praise about their connection to the Holy Spirit. Where in verse 13, he tells them that when they heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in in Him, in Christ, they were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. They have been brought into the family by faith in 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 the work of Jesus and the work of Jesus alone. By belief, by faith, they have been brought into God's adopted family and sealed, secured. Ownership of God has been made sure. And Paul says, so for this reason, and because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Because I know that that in your belief, you have become a part of the family through adoption. We look back at verse number five. You've been brought into the family and you've been sealed in the person of the Holy Spirit and His indwelling you. And for that reason, and because I'm hearing about your continual faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. When he says that I've heard about your faith and love, you need to remember, Paul spent about two and a half to three years in Ephesus, ministering to the people there on his uh, second missionary journey, I believe. And so you would think, well, well, Paul, what do you mean you're hearing of that? You you were right there with him. You got to remember, he's been about five or six years separated from the Ephesians. Paul is writing this letter, most believe, from Roman incarceration. He's waiting on an audience with Caesar. And so he's writing to the churches that he has ministered in and that he founded and, and that are growing. And I think that's what Paul is doing here when he says, I keep hearing folks that have come through Ephesus and are visiting here with me in Rome. They keep telling me about the, the continual faith of the church in Ephesus. And it's being demonstrated by their continual love for one another. Just, just a side thought, just a side note. As far as you're concerned, as far as we're concerned as a church, 
I wonder what Paul would hear about us. If, if, if someone were coming through Winter Haven, if someone were coming through and, 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 and engaging with those of us who are gathered and, and united together here in, in this local assembly, I wonder what he would hear about us. Would he hear about the faith growing, about the body growing, not only in number, but, but in maturity? Would he hear about us pursuing with reckless abandon the call of Jesus Christ to make disciples? Would he hear about that faith being demonstrated by our acts of love to one another? Or would he hear about things like gossip or laziness? As we move into this passage, I just wonder where we're at as it applies to what we know and what we're moved by. So as we move forward, let's think about not only what these believers in Ephesus were being charged to do, but let's think about where we are and who we are today in 2020. As Paul prays for them, as Paul reveals what he's asking God, understand that this applies to us today. So Paul says, because of, because of your faith in Jesus, because you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit for this reason, and because I keep hearing about the faith growing and your love for one another, I just continue to pray for you. And, and here's what Paul prays. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Paul prays for these believers, and he's revealing to them what he's praying. He says, I'm asking God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him as you are coming to know Him. Now, Paul says that I, I ask God to give you a spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I don't think Paul's talking about the Holy Spirit here because he's already said that these folks are believers and they've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's our understanding that when a sinner comes to faith in Jesus, when they surrender to the gospel, that they are then indwelt by the Holy Spirit and sealed as adopted children. So it doesn't seem that Paul is referring to uh, is, is that he's asking God that they may receive the Holy Spirit. They've already got him, even though the ESV, our translation here, capitalizes the word spirit. It seems as though context is, is laying out that God is asking, or, or that Paul is asking God to give them an attitude. This idea of spirit, this, this notion of, of, a, of, an, of an overarching motivation, a, 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 a way of, of, of understanding, a, a governing disposition, if you will. That, that, that idea of, of give them this, this attitude holistically. That is, that is governed by wisdom and revelation. This, this wisdom here, it's, it's an idea of, of insight. As we look around the world and we see what's going on, it's, it's insight that we might know, okay, I, I see what's really happening here. I understand what this is because of what I understand about 
the, revela- or the, 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 the Word of God and what He has revealed to us through the Word. This comes in handy real, real, real helpfully right now in this coronavirus thing. You know, the world is looking around and they're going, you know, what, what's going on? The, the world's falling apart and everything's going crazy and God's forgot about us. And, and, and we know through God's Word that that's not true. We know that God's not left us to our own devices. God's not, He's not just up uh, in, in His place, wringing His hands, wondering what's happening. No, He's in control because we, we know that from, from the wisdom that we receive from God's Word. And, and so Paul says, I want God you to give them a, a disposition, this, this overarching attitude that's, that's governed by the wisdom that they have in God's Word, I believe. And not only that, but the revelation, as, as, as Paul's already said, we as believers know more about God's plan of redemption than anyone who came before us in the ages past. We understand now the mysteries of, of redemption because God has revealed it to us. And so what Paul is saying is, is I, I want them not to just know the things that we've spent the last few verses praising you for, but I want you to give them this attitude, this governing disposition that is, that, that is moved by wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of Him as they are coming to know you more, as they're moving beyond just knowing about Him to truly knowing Him and walking with Him as a result. We get the idea that we come to know someone and then we get to know them and then as we walk with them, we know them more and more. We understand them and we are are connected to them knowing who they are and not just more about them. I I think about this uh, being played out most easily in the marriage relationship. I met my wife when I was 14, 15 years old, first time I'd ever seen her, and and I met her. I came to know her, and and, and over the course of the summers that I spent with her at summer camp, I I got to know her more. I began to kind of see how she operated, what makes her tick, the things she likes, the things she doesn't like, the fun ways to pick on her, to get the reactions that I like to get from her. But those getting to know her. But then on June 1st of 1996, we became husband and wife. And, and I began to, to share an abode with her. I began to live in the same residence. I mean, we shared the same space and I've become uh, more knowledgeable of her. And, and now almost 25 years of marriage, I know her now more than I ever have. And it's not that I just know more about her. It's that I, I'm coming to know her more and more. And, and if I'm going to be the kind of husband that, that she deserves for me to be, I will, I will operate with her and I will live with her according to how I know her. In fact, I think you'll find that in the Scripture somewhere as we dwell with one another according to knowledge. The same should be true about our relationship with, with, our, with our God, our Savior, our Father, the Holy Spirit. It should be the same way, not that we just know more about Him, but that we become more intimately connected. And that's what Paul's asking. He's saying, God, they, there's so much they have in, 
in Christ. All of those spiritual blessings, that's, that those benefits that are able to, to, to uh, provide for them everything they need to accomplish everything God calls us to do and to be. And having redemption and adoption and having been chosen and, and predetermined and, and then having been sealed and, and awaiting that inheritance, God, I want you to give them this motivational attitude that they see the world around them according to their understanding of you and the wisdom that they have in the Word and the revelation that you're opening to them through Christ and through these things that I'm going to be sharing. And Paul says, as God gives us that spirit, as we begin to move beyond just knowing to being, here's some of the things that, that Paul is asking that will be true about these believers in Ephesus. Number one is found in verse 18. As they, as they come to know God more, he's saying, I want them to have their their." Eyes have the eyes of their hearts enlightened. Have the have the 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 ability to see, and the ability to be motivated in their heart, not the the muscle pumping, but that they might have the the light come on, where they begin to make their choices. This idea of of heart it has the the idea of that uh, that moral and intellectual core where our will is is seated where we decide what we're going to do because of what we do or don't value it's 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 that 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 moral center and he says god i want you to enlighten their eyes enlighten their ability to see and understand in this core of their inner being so that they might move beyond knowledge and they might move into this intimacy that I know you have for them. And when that happens, they'll begin to see, and I I said the first, that's not the first thing, they'll begin to see three things. They'll begin to see hope, wealth, and power. He says first, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened in verse 18, that they may know what is the hope to which he has called you. I'm praying for you, Ephesians, so that God might give you an attitude, a spirit of of wisdom and knowledge, so that as you begin to know him, he will enlighten the the, the vision of your of your of your governing center, your your moral and intellectual will, where the choices are being made, that you might see clearly the hope of the calling that you have in him. This idea of this hope, it's connected, it's connected to the idea of hope in the Old Testament where the children of Israel were constantly looking forward in expectation of the promises that God made the patriarchs. It's this hope that if, if God does not deliver right now, I know that He will ultimately deliver because He has promised It's that confident assurance, that confident expectation that I might not be able to put my hands on it now, but I have confidence 
that it is to come and that God will be, uh, 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 he will be sure on his promises. It's, it's the hope that we have in Christ. When Christ says, I'll go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll return and receive you to myself. We say, I have absolute confidence that Christ is going to return. Well, when is he going to return? I don't know. I, I, I may not ever see that with my, with my uh, living eyes on this earth, but I, I know that when he returns, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we'll all be gathered together with him. So I have absolute confidence in what Jesus has promised to do. And he says, as, our, as the eyes of our, of, our, of our hearts are enlightened, we'll be motivated and moved beyond just knowing about good, healthy eating habits to having the light turned on and saying, I'm going to live according to those wise eating habits or according to the hope in our calling. And when he says calling, it's unfortunate that, that many Christians think about calling just in terms of, of uh, ministry leaders. Well, you've called to be uh, a, a pastor. You've been called to be uh, a ministry leader. You've been called to be a missionary. I haven't received God's call. Yes, you have. In fact, in these introductory verses, we've seen that you've been, you've been brought into a calling by God's will and for God's purpose. He's brought every one of us into a calling that is as sure into the future as it is today. And Paul says, I want them to live according to this hope that motivates them, this confident assurance that what God has said is going to take place and then as a result, what he's going to do starting in chapter number four is he's going to say, since we're so sure of these things, therefore we can live this out daily. And we can do things like, like exchange in the place of hatred and selfishness, which would be natural to us. We can, we can with knowledge and with, with confidence trade those things with love. We can trade fear for peace. We can trade the tendency we have to separate with fellowship and the coming together because we have this confident assurance because our hearts have been enlightened. The light bulb has come on. I'm living out of the wisdom and revelation through this attitude and general disposition that God is giving me. And I'm living this thing out because I'm as sure of it today as I am into the future. I can replace lies with truth. I can replace pride with humility. I can replace greed with generosity. I can replace the notion of being enslaved to something with realizing, no, I have freedom because I'm living out of the reality of the hope of my calling. Christian, are you living in that reality or are you struggling with wondering whether or not this that, that God has said is, is, is possible for you? Paul says, I'm praying that you might have the, the, the deep down where you live impacted so much by who, who you are and what you have in Christ that you begin to live and the knowledge of Him, grow in your understanding of Him to be motivated by the hope of your calling. Not only that, he says, I want them to be motivated. Uh, uh, what are the riches so that they may know what is the riches of His glorious inheritance 
in the saints. One translator or one commentator, he, he translated this way, so they may know what is the wealth of the inheritance of God in the saints, of His inglorious inheritance in the saints. I think what Paul is talking about here is that we in our inner core might come to the realization of our value to Him. So many Christians struggle with their own worth. They compare themselves to others. They think themselves not as, uh, as, as worthy. And, and so they live defeated thinking, well, well I have nothing to offer God because, because I can't do this and because I, I'm not that smart and because I don't have this talent or that ability. And they live defeated. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're thinking, I know I'm, I know I'm saved, but I just, oh, I just don't really have anything to, to offer. And I, I wish I could. And, and boy, I would, I would love to be able to serve God like others do, but I can't. And Paul's going, I'm praying that God will turn the light bulb on. And in, 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 in your inner being, where you think and, and where you are motivated, he said, I want God to turn the light on you so that you might realize your value. So that you might realize the, the greatness or the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Who we are in Him. What He is inheriting by His choice. We are of great value to Him. And you are of great value to Him. You are of great worth to Him. Not because of what you bring to the table and saying, here's what I have to offer you, God. But because of His choosing, He's demonstrated just how valuable you are. And Paul's going, God, I just want you to open the eyes of their hearts so they might see this. So they might walk in the reality of their worth to you in what they're becoming, in what you're doing in their life, so that when, you, when, when they stand before you, holy and blameless, God, help them to realize just how important they are to you, so that they'll walk in that, not in self-confidence, but in the confidence in who we are and what we're becoming and how valuable we are to God because of what He has said about us and what He has done for us, paying the ultimate price to purchase us. Paul says, I just want them to live in this increasing understanding, not gaining more knowledge about you, but in understanding how valuable they are to you. You know what I want my wife to, to, to come to know? I want her to know how valuable she is to me. Like I want her to know, I want her to get up every day and I want her to go to work with absolute confidence that it doesn't matter how she feels about herself, she is of ultimate value to me. I want my boys to know that no matter how, how frustrated as a dad sometimes I might get or, or how much they compare themselves to their other siblings, I want every one of my children to understand and walk in the knowledge that they are loved and valued to the end by their daddy. And that's what God wants for us. And Paul is saying, I want you to open their eyes so that they can understand that. So that they can get up every day knowing 
how valuable they are to you. Knowing how confident your promises are that they might be motivated by it. But then the last one, and he spends the most time with it, I'll probably spend the least amount of time on it. But Paul says not only that they might, they might walk in the confidence of their calling, yet your calling, that they might walk understanding the value that they are, how, how much of a, a, of a wealth they are to the God who loves them, and you are valuable to Him. But lastly... God, I want you to open their eyes so that they might know, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe. In that same respect that many Christians feel worthless, many feel consistently powerless. I just, I just can't. I wish I could, but I can't. And they live in, in defeat to sin. They live in defeat to, to the lie of the enemy. And they just kind of stay stuck. Paul says, God, I want, I want you to open their eyes so they might live their life moved and motivated by the reality of the power that you have that is directed toward them, that is immeasurable. This week I was walking and listening to a sermon and, and, and a preacher was, he was preaching a, a message in Romans and, and he, was, he was giving an illustration about, about the comparison of, of, of water in a thimble, which most of you might not know what a thimble is. So water in a, a little communion cup. It's a little bit of water and you could measure it. You could pour it into a little vial and you could measure it by milliliters or, or ounces. But compare that amount of water to, to an ocean, the Atlantic, the Pacific. There's no comparison. One is measurable. You can find out how much. That other one, it's immeasurable. Like, like you, you couldn't even begin to try to figure out how many gallons of, of water is there. And, and I know there's a science teacher listening somewhere that's going, well, actually, if you know the area and the depth, you can't. Okay, touche. So maybe it is possible for somebody to estimate with fairly accurate uh, numbers how much but you get my point, right? There's a measurable amount for the most of the world, and then the rest of us look at the ocean and go, yeah, you, you can't figure that out. Well, even those that can figure out approximately how many gallons or ounces or milliliters are in the ocean, I'll tell you this, that is a finite amount of water. The power that God has toward us who believe is immeasurable because it's infinite. Now, this power is there for us to navigate today so that we might live in the hope as, as valuable members of this adopted family, we might walk in our calling, this new life that we've been given that we know is going to come to completion. But right now we've been called to represent Christ and to share the gospel and to live out this that, that, that God has raised us to, this new life, to live it out in relationship with one another. And He's given us every bit of power needed to accomplish that. 
all the power we need to stand against worldly opposition, all the power we need to stand against spiritual opposition, all the power we need to stand against our own internal sinful opposition. Paul says, God, I want you to turn the light on in their heart so that they might realize they can accomplish because of your power for them, they can accomplish everything you've called them to. And there should never be a a need or a reason for us to say, God, I need you to give us power. I need you to give me the power. We don't need that. Why? Because it's ours already. We just got to walk in it. We just got to step into it. He says it's the same power that worked in Christ, verse 20, when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He gave, uh, and he put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him, who fills all in all. Paul says it's the same power that raised Christ. It's the same power that elevated Him to that place of glory. It's that same power that has given Him a name above every name in this world and in the one to come. It's the same power that's put all things, all powers, all dominions, all of creation under His feet. It's the same power that's been given to us, His church, His body, to accomplish something that seems impossible, representing Jesus, living His life in this world while we wait His return so that the progress and purpose of redemption might continue through us, His body. It's that same power that that carried Christ through His earthly ministry and the redemptive process. It's the same power that's ours. We just got to walk in it. Hope, value, power. Paul says, God, I just want you to open their eyes so that they might move beyond just what I've told them about you and what I'm telling them about their life in Christ. I want you to to turn the light on so that they might walk in wisdom and revelation and so that they might recognize this confident hope, this valuable wealth that they are, and this power that is theirs. This power that is sourced in Christ, who is our head, of which we are His body, being filled by Him who is being filled completely and fills all in all. You know, it's really like saying we can't be stopped. If, If we choose to walk in what God has said, there's no stopping us. They may kill us. We may die of this, that, or the other cause, but the beat goes on. Christian, are you walking in hope? I know you believe that you're saved and you believe that God loves you, but but like, are you walking in that confidence? Do you get up every morning motivated? 
by who you are in Christ? Or do you find yourself motivated or discouraged by the things going on around you? Christian, are you, are you walking in the knowledge of how valuable you are to Him? Or are you discouraged because you think you'll never be worth anything? But Kevin, you just don't know how broke I am. Yeah, I, I may not. But, but I know that, that Christ's death and resurrection meets that brokenness. Whether it was caused by another or caused by you or, or, or whatever it is that's, that's keeping you from feeling and walking in the knowledge of your value, I, I know that He paid for that. And I know that He doesn't define you according to your brokenness, but according to the sacrifice of His Son. Christian, do you feel powerless? Are you walking in, in powerlessness? Or, or, are you, or are you wanting to walk knowing that God has everything you need right there and just in time for whatever you face? Christian, I, I don't know where you're living, but I think that should be our prayer today. God, give us, a, give us a, an attitude Give us a, a disposition. Open the eyes of our heart so that we might live according to the hope and, and our wealth and our, 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 uh, the power that we have in, in Christ. Move us to be on mission with you. You know, Christian, this also should indirectly affect how we pray for one another. So often we say, God, fix this, help them with that, change this, give them this, heal them from that. I, I wonder if we shouldn't take a look at what Paul was praying. And as we think about our brothers and sisters, consider asking God to help them in their difficulty, to build them in whatever they're facing, to use them in the circumstance that they find them in, to, to help them to clearly see Him with what their family may be enduring, to burn away what is not completely and totally of Him, to refine them and to mold their faith as a result. I think it should affect how we pray for one another. I think it should affect what we pursue. So let me ask you, has the eyes of your hearts been opened today? Do you want to live motivated by hope, motivated by the, the value that you are and the power that is yours in Christ? That's my hope for you. That's my prayer for you. Are you there and have never trusted Jesus? My prayer for you is that you might see Him crucified in your place for your sin, that you might recognize your need of forgiveness, and that you might trust fully and completely, surrendering yourself to the truth that God loves you, and that Jesus died to save you, and that you would today put your faith completely and wholly in the person and work of Jesus. And if that's you, I hope you'll let me know. I'd love to start that conversation. I'd love to be able to walk with you 
and talk about what this means and how you can live that out. Confident, valuable, powerful because of who you are in Christ. Let me pray for you. God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your love. And I ask that today you would open the eyes of our heart. God, that we would, uh, that we would be able to see clearly through wisdom and revelation. Not just things to know about you but that you would move us in our knowledge and understanding of you to live out our life according to hope, according to value, according to the power, all that is ours in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for those that are sick, specifically with this coronavirus. I pray for those that are hurting because of the... uh, of the, uh, the economic downturn. Things are closed down. I just pray that you would encourage them, that you would remind them that, uh, that are your children, that, 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 that you're theirs, that they're yours. I pray you would give them confidence in your presence. God, I pray that out of this, that we would be stronger, more passionate, more ready to do what you've called us to do. God, we love you. I pray for those that are, um, that are in need of, of things that we don't even know about. God, I ask that your will be accomplished in their life, especially those who need to come to know Jesus as Savior. May you draw their hearts. May they come to know him today begin this journey of relationship with you. We look forward to everything that is in store this week. We know that you're with us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said...